Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for taking time to join us. Uh, I'm with our majority leader, Cheryl William Stapleton, and our majority whip, Doreen Gallegos. I'm Brian Egolf, the Speaker of the New Mexico House. Uh, we are coming into this session with uh, one uh, overarching goal in mind, and that is recovery, 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 recovery for our healthcare system and recovery from the COVID-19 pandemic economic recovery for small businesses and uh, working families and the unemployed and education recovery with plans to get our students back into the classrooms as quickly as it is safe to do so. Uh, the challenges facing New Mexico's families are unprecedented in their uh, difficulty and their size and their scope. But fortunately, the people of New Mexico have elected leaders to this legislature uh, who are coming in ready to help New Mexico emerge stronger than ever before. Uh, we have everything in New Mexico that we need to be the next it state, and we're ready to deploy the resources of New Mexico to every corner of the state, uh, rural and urban and everything in between, uh, so that we can have a robust recovery, as I said, in healthcare, economic recovery, and in our education system. Fortunately, thanks to the responsible budgeting over the last four years, as well as swift action that we took in the June special session, we are going to be ending the fiscal year on June 30th uh, with uh, reserve levels uh, right around 30%, uh, over $2 billion of cash reserves, put New Mexico in a position that many, many other states, especially in our region, uh, would like to be in. Uh, this is going to give us the financial flexibility that we need to deliver COVID response uh, and uh, support for small businesses, as I said, and individuals. That's on top of the nearly $1 billion in relief that the legislature has deployed uh, in the June and November special sessions directly targeted to help small businesses, uh, to help local governments, uh, and to help the unemployed and get the uh, funds, help them get some of the funds that they need to make ends meet. Uh, when they're out of work uh, due to the virus. Um, we're going to be in Santa Fe on opening day, uh, focusing on, as I say, getting our kids back to school safely. Uh, we're going to be coming with a package uh, focusing on rural New Mexico, which is especially hard hit by this pandemic, uh, working on uh, expanding broadband uh, to every corner of the state and finding new ways to help with the last mile for broadband. Uh, we're going to make sure that every New Mexican has access to clean water and electricity. Uh, and we're going to make sure that rural infrastructure and rural economic development uh, take a leading uh, position in the work of this legislature. We want to work to continue to lower the cost of health insurance and health care in New Mexico. Uh, we want to help diversify the economy. We've made great strides on that uh, up to this point, but there's still more work to do. And there'll be legislation and financial support for the administration to help with further uh, vaccinations uh, throughout the state of New Mexico to get us uh, well past uh, uh, the rate of vaccination where we are right now. Uh, we, as Democrats in the House, are focused on making sure our businesses and families get the support and the help they need. And uh, I'd like to turn it over now to our majority leader, uh, Cheryl William Stapleton, uh, to go through some of the specific uh, proposals. Uh, Madam Leader, the floor is yours. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. This session, 
House Democrats are introducing legislation aimed at helping families and small businesses get back on their feet and aimed at lifting our state up and creating opportunity for generations to come. Our House Democratic priorities are quick to quickly deliver additional pandemic relief and legislation that supports our small businesses, such as expanding our Small Business Recovery Act, restaurants and hospitality industry, frontline essential workers, and unemployed who have endured a year like no other. We plan to transform our state investments into our youngest youth through the early childhood education amendment and robust support for schools and school districts so they can reopen safely and quickly to get our children back in the classroom, which includes a 3% PED budget increase. We want to reduce healthcare costs with legislation that lowers the cost of health insurance and pres prescription drugs while also expanding Medicaid to deliver the quality of care for all New Mexicans as they deserve it. We plan to fight for historic progress on infrastructure, especially in our rural communities, with bills that create strong, cohesive plans to deliver broadband internet, running water, electricity, and roads to communities statewide, and especially in our rural communities. We also plan to address climate change with the Climate Solution Act that expands our climate goals to all industries statewide, promoting the growth of good paying jobs and a clean energy economy. Legislation that ensures that every New Mexican, regardless of their background, is treated equally and with dignity under the law with the New Mexico Civil Rights Act and the Crown Act. We will continue to support our state's effort in responding to this pandemic through testing and vaccination of all New Mexicans so we can safely, safely reopen our economy and get our people back to work. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce our majority whip, Doreen Gallegos, to discuss changes as a result of this pandemic. Thank you, Madam Leader, and thank you for members to the members of the press for allowing us to speak to you today. Like everything this year, this legislative um, legislator is having to do things differently. With our top priority being health and safety to the public staff and to our legislators. Due to the pandemic, the roundhouse will sadly be closed to the public with regular testing of the staff and legislators to reduce the risk of community spread. Community hearings, floor sessions, and House Democratic office hours will be conducted virtually. Public comment will be made made available online and over the phone via Zoom so anyone from anywhere can be connected to their representatives. I'm hoping that we'll be able to use this as a new way of communicating with your legislators and for us to not be in a bubble while we are in 
uh, Santa Fe or participating on Zoom, but have the opportunity to have an ongoing and fluid conversations with our constituents regarding bills and legislations, legislation that is important to them. Although we wish this session could operate as it always has, with the public coming to meet and speak with us in person, anyone who understands the nature of this virus knows it would be highly unsafe to do so. So we, like today, are coordinating with the, our local media, with various partners to ensure any agendas, public comment, co uh, phone numbers of members, and legislative de developments are shared with the public. These changes are temporary, but we're confident that we'll have record participation throughout the legislative process. As a representative from rural um, communities, I think this is an opportunity, especially uh, for those rural communities, Southern New Mexico, I get, I hear comments all the time that it is so hard for constituents to go to Santa Fe. So I'm hoping that we can use this once again as a tool to stay connected with our members and with uh, our constituents. Um, offering public comment on bills is gonna be so important. And we, we once again are asking for us to just stay connected, for us to stay patient with each other and to work together to make this a successful session. And with that, I'd like to hand, the, hand this back to the speaker uh, to discuss changes due to security concerns. Thank you, Madam Whip. Um, I don't need to remind everyone of the uh, seriousness of the security situation uh, in New Mexico and around the country. Uh, the shocking attack on our nation's capital in Washington on the 6th of January uh, was a terrible moment and a very sad day for our country. Uh, and it was uh, unfortunately uh, could signal the, the start, not the end of violence in this country relating to the uh, far right uh, extremists and others uh, who joined in, uh, in that attack. Uh, we have seen very real and credible threats of uh, further violence uh, in New Mexico and in other state capitals. And we are very concerned for the safety of the public, for the safety of the legislative staff, as well as for the safety of the members. Uh, in response, uh, the administration and the New Mexico legislature have been uh, meeting and coordinating uh, routinely uh, throughout the day uh, every day uh, over the last uh, several days to significantly increase uh, the amount and the type of security around the Capitol building uh, during the legislative session. Uh, I can't really get into too many details, but you'll already be able to see, of course, the physical barriers that are being erected around the Capitol uh, starting yesterday and uh, concluding today. Uh, there will be other measures taken and the governor has just today authorized uh, the deployment of the National Guard to protect the building. Uh, we don't do this because we uh, want to see uh, this type of security presence, but we're doing it be rather because it's necessary. Uh, we cannot allow uh, an event like January 6th to occur here in New Mexico, and states throughout the country are activating their National Guards, uh, their state police forces, to make sure that uh, there isn't any violence that uh, could injure or take the life of a member of the public, uh, the legislative staff, or the legislature's 
membership. Uh, the people that mean us harm uh, can be called by no other name than domestic terrorists. The threat is being taken seriously, uh, and we will continue to monitor uh, through uh, social media and other means of gathering intelligence their activities and their plans so that we can be as prepared as possible. I want to thank the governor for making available to the legislative branch uh, every resource uh, possible to uh, protect uh, the building and everyone who's in and around it. Uh, I want to make sure that the public understands that we are committed to uh, meeting and to discharging our constitutional duties, and that we'll do so in a way that is safe uh, and in a way that will make them proud of the men and women of New Mexico law enforcement and of our National Guard. Uh, with that, I'm happy to take any questions, as is Leader Stapleton and Whip Gallegos. Thank you, Speaker. All right, we'll go ahead and take our first question. Mr. Speaker, this is Dan McKay at the Albuquerque Journal, um, and I'll just open this to, to any of the leaders who want to respond. But could you address uh, the cultural change of entering a session without um, in-person uh, participation. You know, most people go and the, the hallways are crowded and there are, um, you know, kids dance and there are events and there are um, political events and a lot, there's sort of camaraderie among everyone who's there. Could you talk a little bit about the adjustment of, of just moving into this sort of semi-online virtual session? Well, I, I think I, I speak for everyone in the legislature when I say that I wish it didn't have to be this way. Uh, we would love to be able to gather together as normal. Uh, one of my favorite parts about being in the legislature is uh, meeting with and seeing the folks that come from all corners of the state to visit their capital, uh, to give input on bills, uh, to sing the national anthem during our uh, opening uh, session each morning. And I'm going to miss that. I know our members are going to miss that. But we still have to get the work done. The, whether it's additional COVID relief, uh, passing the budget for uh, uh, the state, which includes you know, one, of the, one of the urgent reasons to meet is because we need to get that education budget uh, passed so that districts all over the state know what's coming. Uh, and we need to meet now so that we can give the stability uh, necessary to our business community uh, and government leaders throughout the state about what their budgets are going to be for the upcoming fiscal year. Uh, we do have a session coming up in the fall where we will uh, tackle the issue of reapportionment. It's my hope that some of the uh, most treasured events that occur during a 60-day session can be uh, postponed rather than canceled and then we might be able to see some of those events take place uh, in uh, September or October when we meet for reapportionment. And if I could just add really quickly, Mr. Speaker, that New Mexico probably has um, people, our constituents have the most access to legislators uh, with our state capital always being open. And so this is going to be a change, uh, but we're also hoping that with that change, it'll still uh, uh, allow access, especially for the rural areas to participate in a, in a way that they never have before. Thank you, Dan. Uh, any other questions? Uh, yeah, Robert Knott from the New Mexican, please. Sure. Um, first question is how specifically can, like the increase in the PED budget, how is that going to help given COVID? 
get the kids back into school faster and safer. I'm curious like what that relates to. And I'd also like to hear more specifics about how extra budgeting might help with more more testing and more vaccines since we're often given the impression that's 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 you know the fed's job to get to us and we're often waiting on them so a little more detail on how this the the pushes you're making are going to help the kids get back quicker and safer help them make up for lost time and also in terms of the vaccine and testing yeah robert so i can speak to the uh, vaccine portion uh, first the uh especially when you're dealing with the Pfizer vaccine, uh, the need for ultra low temperature cold chain uh, in order to be able to deliver a vaccine around the state is um, uh, involves a significant investment. Uh, we're lucky to have a facility at the uh, VA in Albuquerque that has that type of temperature uh, ability. But you know we're going to be, I think, facing the need of having additional um, uh, expense to assist with the distribution, at least in the Pfizer uh, vaccine. And there's also costs associated with personnel and equipment to operate vaccination centers. Uh, so that will all be included in the budget on top of the 10 million that we appropriated uh, back in November to start that work. Uh, the increases in the education budget, uh, the largest increase in the education budget is uh, not specifically COVID targeted. It's to increase uh, extended learning time. Uh, and the, uh, in the stimulus bill uh, that was just uh, signed into law a few weeks ago in Washington, that contained quite a bit of uh, direct to district expenditures or rather direct to district appropriations from the federal government uh, that is more targeted uh, to COVID uh, response. And I'm not sure if, if Leader Stapleton has anything to add to that uh, from her service on the uh, Legislative Education Study Committee. Thank you, Mr. Speaker, and thank you for your question in regard to education and the increase of funding that would help us open up the classroom doors, open up the school doors for our children. Um, let me say that, first of all, um, many of that funding that would come about that may be an increase would look at um, PPP materials, equipment, um, cleaning, um, equipment and cleaning materials that would be for our classroom, um, for testing our students as they come through the line in, to get into the building. Um, it would also include a, a curriculum looking at what the loss of education has been for our students and making sure that those students are receiving an increasing um, advantage of knowing that they have had lost education time and making it up. So our teachers are gonna be ready to implement a system and ways that would increase learning, more learning, extended learning time for our students, which would expand possibly throughout the summer. And if not throughout the summer and at the end of the school year, once our students are back into the classroom, it's a robust lesson plan that would be in place that would enable our students to pick up possibly where they left off or increase the opportunity for them to build on the curriculum that the teachers are gonna put in place. So any additional funding towards education is possibly the way to help increase learning activities and lesson plans 
for our students and also to protect them while they're in the classroom as well as being on the playground. Yeah, we have a, we have a question from Austin Fisher and this is for anyone in our leadership. Uh, and he's and he's asking, Speaker Egoff mentioned rural infrastructure and clean water. One in three Navajo citizens don't have indoor plumbing. Could you expand on what the House is doing in this area during the upcoming session and whether there is any direct coordination with Navajo Nation officials? Sure. Thanks, Austin. So we have regular uh, communication with uh, leadership in the Navajo Nation um, speaker and the Navajo Nation president. We also have a 5% set aside from all capital outlay funds that goes into the tribal infrastructure fund. Uh, that money is uh, administered um, by a board that directs uh, money to the uh, Indian Pueblos and nations throughout the state. So that money is there. Uh, uh, and we are expecting to have a, a tribal consultation meeting uh, with the newly elected Pueblo governors and the uh, presidents of the tribal nations uh, towards the end of next week. And uh, that's where we'll be getting additional input on uh, what their needs are and what we can do this session to be of assistance. I would also like to add um, that we are looking at delivering great infrastructure development for broadband issues across our state. Um, not only in the rural areas, but also right here in Albuquerque and in all the cities across the state. As we especially need it more than ever, if we continue for this next semester to have our students be in hybrid situations where they are being at home and also at the school level. Um, we have found out and realized that across the state that we are hurting desperately, especially in um, our rural communities, Navajo Nation, um, especially I-40 corridor and I-25 corridor where we need broadband internet services that is strong enough for our students to continue their education. Thank you, Leader Stapleton. And any additional questions? Mr. Speaker, can you talk more, and I know we keep asking you this, about how your side of the chamber is going to run. We're getting pre pretty clear directives that the Senate will meet, be in there day one, and then probably break until roughly February 1st, doing almost all committee by Zoom. Um, are you like the first day going to have a rules hearing or a floor discussion of how to run the session and how, you know, you've used the word hybrid a lot, but how might that work? Might you break away for a few days, everything's virtual, come back to the floor, or could it mix and match every single day? Can you give us any more clear directive on that? You know, I, I don't really have anything to add to what we said in the council meeting last week. Uh, the committees will be by Zoom. Uh, the floor sessions will be hybrid. Uh, the you know, we start next uh, Tuesday, and uh, we will announce our schedule uh, at that you know, day to day, like we've always uh, like we've always done. I hope that we'll be able to uh, mostly have committees doing work, but uh, I, I'm not. We're not going to set a date, uh, you know, for our first floor session. Uh, we're just going to have to see how things go. There's so many moving pieces with regard to security and COVID and everything else uh, that we're going to, uh, as the uh, as the whip said, we're going to have to all be patient with each other and uh, kind of just go uh, go through the session, uh, adapting uh, 
to change new circumstances. Well, we have a question from uh, Blake Ovard with the Hobbs uh, News Sun. And his question is, uh, could you please run down the top five priorities, maybe just quick bullet points. Also, with the reintroduction of the recreation marijuana proposal, how important is it to get this through to supplement our budgets? Well, uh, the governor's made uh, uh, taxation and regulation of adult use cannabis one of her top priorities. Uh, there's going to be quite a few proposals on the topic, uh, each with a different impact on the budget in terms of potential revenue. Uh, I think they're all, uh, so I, I'm, we, we don't know yet, obviously, which one is going to pass, uh, but it is always nice to have uh, additional revenue to the state from a new source because that helps with our uh, economic diversification. Uh, I have to say we're also kind of placing a very uh, high priority on passing the amendment to put more of our state's permanent fund into early childhood and K-12 uh, education. Uh, I am I'm particularly focused on passage of the New Mexico Civil Rights Act. Uh, there will be, again, uh, a number of bills helping with broadband and the diversification and support for our rural uh, economy. Uh, and uh, uh, COVID relief uh, and uh, support for healthcare and education. Uh, you know, I can't really give you one bullet point on it because there's going to be 10 or 12 proposals on each topic. But uh, as a general matter, those are our uh, top priorities. All right. Thank you, Blake. And uh, any other additional questions? This is uh, Cedar with the AP. If I could just piggyback um, on our on our friends here, um, is Speaker Egolf, where do you see abortion starting out, or is it even going to be on the agenda this year? Is the Senate going to start with it, and then maybe the House? Um, and then I had a question about broadband, which is that you know it's an aging technology, and it it could be outmoded in the next couple of years. How is that kind of affecting yours and Representative Stapleton's, um, you know, vision for long-term investments? Well, uh, it may, there may certainly, uh, with regard to broadband, new technology comes online all the time. Uh, but until it is at a scalable form and at a scalable form that we can afford, uh, we'll continue to uh, invest in the proven technology uh, which has a price tag that helps us deploy the broadband uh, to rural areas in a very cost-effective way. I know that there's companies like Sky and others that are working on um, dirigibles to deliver uh, internet. I know uh, Elon Musk's project is underway, uh, but I think those projects are years from being able to be implemented uh, in a scalable way for the entire state. Uh, and we've got we've got kids that need to be online tomorrow, and we have broadband needs that are immediate. So we're going to continue to do everything we can with the technology that's available to us, and uh, with the funding that we have. And as new technologies come online, we'll evaluate them and see if they're worth uh, deploying uh, in place of uh, the traditional uh, fiber. Uh, with regard to uh, the antiquated law that criminalizes abortion in New Mexico, it will be repealed this session. Uh, and uh, uh, we'll have to see in the coming days whether uh, it starts as a House or a Senate bill. Thank you, Cedar. 
All right. And then, Robert, you have a question? Thank you. Yes. And I appreciate you taking the questions and the patience uh, as we try to figure this out with you. Um, Mr. Speaker, you clearly have a 20 person advantage over Republicans still in the, in the House. But aside even from the, the, the difference in the two parties, are you going to have to make some decisions when it comes to deciding bills that you are, in fact, going to focus on COVID relief, COVID relief, COVID relief, be it education, be it health, be it broadband, financial, and that some other bills may fall by the wayside, even if they're introduced by some of your own party, you know, crime initiatives or, um, you know, any other bills we're already seeing on the website for the House, uh, resolutions, memorials that may not move the state so much forward in terms of addressing the COVID challenge. Yeah, well, you know, there's a, a, a prioritization in legislation that happens naturally. Uh, as bills go through the committee process, uh, you know, I can speak from personal experience over uh, the years. You know, having a D next to my name on the front page of a bill ne never guarantees passage, and uh, having an R next to their name that doesn't guarantee defeat. So the, the committees will do their work. Uh, it will be done virtually, but they'll still take a hard look at everything that comes through. And that process is the, the first process of prioritization. Uh, things that uh, you know, don't necessarily uh, need to be done right now uh, you know, might not pass a committee. Uh, so, you know, I think you know, I think members understand that we want to prioritize things that help address the most urgent, and pressing needs. Uh, clearly, that's the economy, uh, education, healthcare, and uh, we'll see that. Uh, I think naturally play out as the committee process does its work. Let's talk a little bit about um, urgent needs in regards to New Mexico's economy and the fact that we need pandemic relief and legislation that supports our small businesses. And um, you mentioned, well, which would be, what would be important in terms of moving forward and what would likely be passed. And I would like to say that we hope that we, all of us, Republicans and Democrats, would um, collaboratively, get, collaboratively get together and pass an additional pandemic relief legislation that would support our small businesses because they are hurting across the state. Uh, initially, we were making sure that we keep employees employed with the small businesses. Now we need to look at helping these small businesses keep their doors open, pay their rent, look at how we can have them pay their utilities and stay in business. So when we talk about what we need to get passed immediately or in the near future, we need to look at delivering additional pandemic relief on both sides of the aisle to support our small businesses in New Mexico and specifically related to hospitality and restaurants. Thank you, Leader. Do we have any additional questions? Hi, this is Cedar with the AP, just jumping in again. Um, Speaker, do you have any concerns about the distance in the budget recommendations between the LFC and the executive on um, uh, Medicare? I don't. You know, it's 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 very common for there to be uh, differences, and it will. As part of the uh, House Appropriations Committee's work, uh, get a better understanding of uh, where those differences are and why they were proposed. Uh, I don't see anything uh, in the two proposals that um, 
it seems too difficult to be able to reach common ground. Good. Thank you, Speaker. Any final questions? Okay. All right. Well, thank you all for uh, joining us today um, and for taking the time out to ask your questions. I hope this was helpful to you all. Uh, we will be sending out a release later with uh, more information for you. Um, and, you know, wish you guys a safe and uh, happy weekend.